When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, welcome to part two of Oh What A Time, The Blunders episode. So I'm going to talk to you about one of the worst things that can possibly happen to a writer, and more specifically, a blunder that occurred during the writing of um, one of the most important books on history ever written. So I'm a writer. That's like most of my living is that. The most stressful thing that happens to me... Are you, are you quite organised people? The thing that I find stressful as a writer is I can I can never find my most recent draft on my laptop. I never oh. know where I've, where I've saved it. Yeah, don't talk to me about this. So I will save a document and I'll just save it somewhere on my laptop. Yeah. yeah. The thing I always get caught out I always get caught out by calling a document final version. Oh, yeah. <laughs> final version 1.1. That's exactly Final I version 2.0. I oh. think if I, if I ever run a writing course, that would be day one. Yeah. I would be saying, right, I want, you to, I want you to never refer to anything as final version. You can date it, but for God's sake, once, once the word final gets into the mix, we're yeah. in big, big trouble. Mine is a heady mix of either. It's, it's all three. It's final version, the name of the thing followed by the date, or draft one, two, three, whatever it happens to be. But a combination of all those three. So I, yeah. every time I, I come on to start work on a project again, I always go down to Finder, the bottom left, and I just start typing in random things. I have no idea. <laughs> and hope, I don't know. It, often my computer doesn't show me everything either. I don't understand it. It, it must be a system. But it's, yeah, it's yeah. not sustainable. But we're 15 years into his career, and it seems to be the way I do things. We are going to get... Tom is going to get some of the most helpful emails we've ever received on this podcast. <laughs> and it is going to change Tom's life. Genuinely. Please do send those in. <laughs> so help me. To tell you this story, though, so my little worry is nothing compared to what happened with this, um, this story. This is remarkable. Um, to tell you this story, we first need to get into the time machine. We'll head back to 1833. And this was a time when there was a writer and a philosopher called John Stuart Mill... Yeah. who was alive and well. You may have heard of him. He was considered one of the great minds of the time. A question for you, Ellis. What is the nicest thing that anyone has ever written about you in a, in a review? Because I, I want to compare it to something that was written about um, John Stuart Mill to see how it compares. What do you think is the nicest uh, thing anyone's ever said about you in a review? Time Out referred to me as Charming. Charming. Okay, good. <laughs> so, <laughs> by comparison, the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy described described him as the most important philosopher of the 19th century. Okay, I've never had that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that would go to your head? If somebody described you as the most important podcaster of the 21st century, how would that affect well, you? You know, I know it. I know it's true. I just wish other people would acknowledge it. 
the next day, let's say that's been on the front of the paper. Is it changing the way you walk? Is it changing the way you interact with people out and about? It's certainly changing the way I play five aside. Okay, the amount yeah. of nutmegs I'd be trying as 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 the nineteenth as the twenty first century's most important podcaster. It's I wouldn't be confident if someone called me the most important podcaster of the twenty first century, given it's only twenty twenty four, you know? Uh, if it was yes. towards the end of the century, I'd have a little more confidence. Oh, I'd take that. I remember Teenage Fan Club in an interview once I read with them, they said we we uh, were going to re- release records in the, in January, so then you could say this is the best record of the year so far, and then you put that on a sticker on the CD for the rest of the year, and everyone's like, oh my god, what a great album that must be! I would take it. So, unsurprisingly, Mill, this brilliant mind, was often approached to write books, and in the autumn of eighteen thirty three, he was asked to write a history on the French Revolution, a history of the French Revolution. Uh, however, because he was so busy being uh, the most important philosopher of the 19th century, he, he yeah. didn't have time to do this. So instead, he asked his friend, the Scotsman Thomas Carlyle, to write it instead, which um, which does make me laugh. I, I know it's, it's nice that you're thinking about his mate, but it's it's quite the ask, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like me saying, oh, Scull, I know you've been a bit skinned, but I've, I found you a job. It's writing the complete history of the French Revolution. <laughs> <laughs> You probably got. I'll probably just get a bar job. To be honest, I just feel yeah, like yeah. quite the request. Yeah, uh, but uh, Thomas Carlyle. So he was at that time a struggling writer, and he was completely skint. Um, and so he he took he took the job, and the book called the French Revolution was to cover the revolution from 1789 through to 1795, and was to be published in three volumes in 1837. And right. so whole shebang, the, the whole shebang. And in the summer of 1834, Carlyle set to work on this huge job. And it really was a huge job. There was so much research required to write this. Um, Early on, Carlyle is quoted as telling a friend, I've got a heap of books around me. And Mill himself laid me out the other day a whole barrow full. Um, I was wondering whether you find that patronising if you were writing a book and a friend came round with a wheelbarrow full of books (laughs) for you on the subject. And then just sort of dump them in your front room. I said, get on with it. You've got three years. The only way I would tackle a subject like this was if I was in prison and I had no other life other than to turn to this task. Yes. I think in that situation, I'd be focusing mainly on survival rather than writing a book about the French Revolution. But fair play to you. I do appreciate that. Um, so... He started work on this on this on this uh, this book using all this research. He wrote late into the evening, at an exhausting pace. Basically, he didn't stop for six months, and that was just to get volume one finished, which oh he finally God. did in January eighteen thirty five. So he spent six months of his life researching and writing this book about the first third of the French Revolution. Now, this is when things take a turn. However, as he started work on Volume 2, he lent the manuscript of Volume 1 to Mill to get feedback, which oh. Mill agreed to do, taking possession of the sole copy. And he guesses where this might be going? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> the sole copy, okay? However... Oh, my. I actually feel ill. On March the 6th, 1835, Mill turned up at Carlyle's house looking the very picture of desperation, is the way he's described. And over a drink, Mill explained that he'd taken the manuscript with him to a friend's house and had accidentally left it there. And then a maidservant who'd found the papers and was unable to read them mistook the book for scrap and threw the entire thing onto the fire, (laughs) destroying 
six months of work. So this is always, this is before, can I shock you? This is before Google Doc. So there's no sort of, oh, well, I'll just, at least I've got that version I saved just before Christmas. I can use that. So the problem is, if it was mislaid or if yeah. she'd thrown it in the bin, there would be hope. Yes. But yeah. she's, she's, she's set it alight. <laughs> it's gone up in smoke. The one thing we didn't want to happen. Straight in the fire. I I feel I feel lightheaded. How would you think? I want you to really think about that though. The idea of both of you spending six months of research writing this thing by candlelight, you get it done. How are you reacting to that 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 news? I, I think I would a combination of crying and being sick. Right. <laughs> yeah. I I don't think I'd shout. I don't think I'd scream. I think I'd be. I think I'd vomit. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'd throw up. <laughs> It left Carlisle with only one option, which was to rewrite the entire volume from scratch, which was not an easy task. Now, this bit, I think, is interesting, and I think this is slightly on him, because he'd thrown out all of his notes. (laughs) (laughs) Why had he done that? I mean, that's your fault. Why would you throw out all your own notes? Unless they're, they're like, taking over your entire abode. Like, you have no room in your house. And he could also... just all notes. He could barely remember what he'd written because he was already writing volume two by this point. So he just basically forgot. Oh, my God. Um, I wonder, do you reckon um, Mill turned up um, the next day with the same wheelbarrow with those same books going, I guess you need these again. (laughs) (laughs) Just dumping them in the front room. Do you know what, mate? You can keep the wheelbarrow. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> but do you know what though? There has there has been periods in my life where like I've lost a word doc that I've spent a long time. Yeah, working yeah, me on too. Like Awful. And I have just gone right. I'm just going to use this hanger right now to just get, do as much as I can while it's in my head, and then I'll deal with this tomorrow. But that is normally a day's work, or let's say a week's yeah. work at most. Yeah, it's not yeah, six yeah. months of intense. When I did my MA, I my this was in 2003. My computer crashed, and I lost thousands of words. And it was yes. horrendous. Did you? So what did you do? I had to ring up um, the head of the course at Cardiff Uni and ask for an extension. Wow. And um, it was just it was just awful. It was just Oof. the worst. But it's not as bad as what's happened to Thomas Carlyle. And I'm throwing away my <laughs> notes, crucially. When, when I got to the end of my uh, degree at Cardiff... <laughs> I had, like, no money left. I was so skint. I just had enough money to print out my final well, dissertation, whatever they call it, your final piece of work, which is like a 100-piece thing. But it's literally all I had was money to print this out. I printed it out, and I didn't specify which printer, so it just got printed somewhere in Cardiff University. <laughs> <laughs> of, I'd say a minimum of 1,000, 1,500 printers. <laughs> And I spent half a day walking around Cardiff University, going to every faculty, trying to find my bloody dissertation. I did actually find it. I did. But it took me, no lie, maybe four hours, four and a half hours to find it. Where, where was it? It was under, like, just, you know, the rack where it comes out of a, of a printer, other stuff on top of it now, because obviously new stuff's been printed since then. Just four hours walking around Cardiff University. <laughs> I remember those days of being so skint you can't even like you can print some paper. Five p. Remember it's like five p a page or something like that. Yeah, it was extortionate, insanely expensive. So Carlisle had no other option but to rewrite this, and it took him another six months to rewrite it. 
Uh, a period which Carlisle complained was the ugliest I have had in life or expect to ever have. Um, every word must have been so painful. But it was also expensive for Mill, who insisted on paying a daily wage as compensation for the loss of the manuscript, writing yeah. a cheque for £200, which is equivalent to 21 grand in yeah, today's about money, yeah. money now. Although, to his credit, Carlisle only took half the amount. Uh, Liz Truss, think on. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> if you're listening, Truss. Um, the final sort of interesting side point. He was, um, Mill was always quite secretive about who had thrown this into the fire and exactly where it had happened. And there was this idea that was abound at the time that he was basically trying to make sure that the maid servant did not get in trouble. That actually isn't the truth. The truth was that he was having an affair with someone in his little love nest outside of the capital. Because um, people who worked in houses in the capital would have been used to manuscripts and stuff like that, and they would have filed them. But he was actually in this little house outside in the country um, with a lady called Harriet Taylor, who, was having, who um, he was having an affair with. And he actually wanted to keep that secret that that's where he'd been. So he, that's, that's the real truth as to where, why he never oh really divulged God. who threw it in the fire or exactly where it happened. But um, yeah, so there you are. That's that's for, it's one of the great wow. blunders in writing. That is horrendous. Imagine telling someone who's just finished their PhD <laughs> that you've you've destroyed the memory stick because you're a top shagger. <laughs> I'm going to be discussing Frederick Barbarossa, who was the Holy Roman Emperor from 1155 until 1190, 35 years later. Now, he was known as uh, Redbeard. And I, if I don't shave, my beard has got a slightly red tinge. So I would like to hope that if I'd been Holy Roman Emperor, that would have been my nickname. <laughs> I, I can't help but feel that my nickname would be... Uh, Slightly less serious and um, take the piss a little bit. I think I think it would focus more on your accent. I think which probably would stand yes, out. Yes, yeah, the Welsh one. Yeah, <laughs> Welsh. you know how um, uh, that uh, English king Ethelred the Unready. Oh yes. And I was thinking to myself, bloody hell, he's been known as Unready for like eleven hundred years. We're still we're we're still taking the piss out of how Unready he was on podcasts <laughs> over a thousand years after his death. <laughs> What do you think your nickname would be, Tom? Your Holy Roman Emperor? So, well, if, if it's physical things they're, po- they're pointing out, uh, Dad Bod. <laughs> Tom, Tom the Dad, Dad Bod. Dad Bod the first. <laughs> and the statues would be really unflattering. Just me, with a little, 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 little tiny well, little they used to ex- they used to accentuate everything. So they'd probably accentuate your, your Dad Bod. Oh, yeah, yeah. So your yeah, belly yeah, would become bigger, your shoulders would become narrower, your arms would become thinner. Red beard and dad bod, the sort of things you have on the back of, like stag do shirts, aren't they? Red beard, yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. Dad bod anyway. the first. If you were lucky, if you were a really good uh, benevolent ruler, maybe the dad bod could be the kind of body that all Romans wanted. Also, what would be quite interesting is when I hit about 50 and constantly called dad bod the first had an effect on me and I, there'd be like a midlife crisis and the, the statues would start getting slightly more muscly <laughs> as I'm losing weight and trying to sort of change my body shape you could see you could see the change as you went yeah through yeah the, uh, that'd be that'd be quite walk good down the i assume with ethelred the unready i just even though this isn't actually what it means it was because uh, ethelred 
is an old English name, and I think it means something like you know wise counsel. And then ready oh, right. isn't isn't like an old English word for no counsel. So it was like kind of bookish, the non-bookish, if you know what I mean. It's because yes. he, he he was given bad advice. I always thought it was like there's a war on. Oh fuck, is that today? <laughs> Shit! Where's my sword? Where are, where are my shoes? I can't I can't fight in a war without shoes on. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Where are my sodding shoes? <laughs> well, Etheridge's like, no, it's Sunday today. No, Etheridge, it's Monday. It's Monday today. <laughs> the war started today at night. Oh, oh no. bollocks. <laughs> sorry, it's because it was match of the day two and not match of the day. I thought it was sorry. So has my daughter got drama today? Or, no, it's school. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Do you know uh, another one I was thinking about? Edward the Confessor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Basically a grass. <laughs> Edward the grass. Whatever you do, don't tell anything to Edward in confidence. Yeah. Because he will grass you right up. Oh, that, he cannot keep a secret. That the king, games. Chris Skull the snitch. <laughs> so, but anyway, he was known uh, for his red beard. His contemporaries thought he was almost superhuman. So he was this, he had this incredible grasp of of the law. He had this amazing abilities as a knight. He had chivalric qualities. Everyone just thought everyone swooned, right? He was he was he was a big dog. He was a big deal. And he made his name in the eleven forties when he joined the Second Crusade. I mean, the Second Crusade is is almost a historical blend in his own right. We could have done that in his episode. And so 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 he he emerged from that crusade unscathed. So I assume at this point he's feeling quite lucky. And in 1155, he's elected Holy Roman Emperor and crowned Frederick I in Rome. And he reigned until his death 35 years later. So he's had a good stint, OK? Uh, he was crowned, incidentally, uh, by the only Englishman ever to become Pope, Nicholas Breakspeare, or Adrian IV. I think oh, Nicholas is a good enough name. Yeah. <laughs> why, why bring Adrian into it? <laughs> so what was his name? His name was... His name was Nicholas Breakspear, and then they nice changed, it, changed it to Adrian the Fourth. You're like, <laughs> mate, Nicholas, Nicholas works. Yeah, Nicholas Bre... Just be that, Nicholas Breakspear the First. Just be Nick... Yeah, Nick the First. Anyway, so far, so good. Is Nicholas particularly hard to pronounce and if you're Italian? Is that, is that what I the issue know. is? Is it kind of... No. Okay. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't yeah. think so. No harder than Adrian. So, so far, so good. So most of the rest of Frederick's life was taken up with politics and war, you know, usual sort of medieval kingship stuff. But then in 1187, a letter arrived at court asking for his assistance in repelling a fresh invasion of the Crusader kingdoms, okay? So this was to yeah. be the beginning of the Third Crusade. Uh, and this one's better known in Britain, of course, because Richard the Lionheart was involved. So Frederick marched from Cologne through modern-day Germany and Austria, on into Hungary, then into the Balkans, and finally he arrived at Constantinople, modern-day Istanbul, where he prepared his crossing into Anatolia. Now, by early June 1190, Frederick's halfway through his journey towards the Levant, Okay, when he received some local advice about a shortcut. Oh, dear. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what I said when I was reading this. Oh, dear. Now, he's got two options. A longer route through the mountains... Or the promised fabled shorter route, which involves crossing the Salaf River, now known as the Goksu River, uh, near the hilltop Crusader castle of uh, Silikev. I don't think if you're leading an army, you can't be asking the locals for shortcuts, can you? That doesn't <laughs> yeah, feel like it, a professional sound, thing to do. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not telling him how to lead an army, but it sounds naive. It's the sort of thing you do on a pub crawl. 
isn't it? Yeah, you yeah, go, yeah, yeah, anyone, yeah. Do you know how you get to the uh, the house? Yeah, yeah. You ask, you, you ask some bloke coming out of a bookies and you say, "Do you know how to get a Yates's?" He says, "Over yeah. there." And you're like, <laughs> "Okay, we're, we're this way." You shouldn't be turning around to sixty thousand men and going, "This guy says it's through here." <laughs> now he's an action man and he's impatient. Okay, so Frederick opts for the river at this point. The surviving sources offer different descriptions of what happened next, but they all agreed that on the 10th of June, 1190, Frederick Barbarossa, who was 67 at the time, drowned in his attempted crossing. Oh, now, no. this is a big cock-up, right? This is a big blunder, one which dealt a serious blow to the prospects of the Third Crusade. So thousands of soldiers simply returned home to Germany rather than carry on under command of Frederick's core wow. sponsors, Philip II of France and Richard the Lionheart who were as hostile to each other as they were to their opponents, right? So it was a real mess. So without Barbarossa and his forces to act as unifiers, there was n- almost no chance of total victory. So this, so, so they, they just go home. He's drowned. Now, what happened? Now, a contemporary chronicle of Frederick's journey from Cologne, which was in a few years later in the Europe of the middle M90s, gives us the Sylvester Stallone Rambo version of the story. Okay, okay. in this one... Frederick, who's 67, remember, decides he can swim across the river and so he plunges into the water, believing himself strong enough to battle the currents. Although everyone tried to stop him, he entered into a whirlpool. He, who had often escaped great dangers, perished miserably. Now, the the Arab chronicles are suggesting something slightly more farcical, okay? That they agree that Frederick had entered the river, not because he wanted to cross it, just because he fancied having a wash. (laughs) He's been day since he last had a shower. He stinks. He stinks. Freddy, Freddy, mate, get in that river. How deep is he going to have a wash? Yeah, yeah. So you just surely, think, surely, don't, don't you just paddle and splash? You don't need to go in beneath yeah, your. Yeah. So he, so he thinks to himself, listen, I'll just do the important bits. I'll do my my armpits and my down belows and maybe my face if I've got time. <laughs> I'll, I'll gel my hair down. And I'll wear a helmet anyway, so I don't need to wash my head. I don't need to get the shampoo out. I've lost my wash bag anyway. Yeah. Now, one of the Arab chronicles, uh, uh, there's a quote from that. It says, the emperor drowned at a spot where the water did not reach a man's waist. Oh, so he's no. had a little paddle and something's gone wrong and he's fallen and he's drowned. Now, he's got cramp, hasn't he? <laughs> That's what's happened. It's absolutely he's got cramp. Now, in fact, this may not have been that far from the truth since a newsletter written by someone in Frederick's army about a week after his death tells a similar story. So in this version, Frederick, who is hot and sweaty and exhausted, who's made it to the eastern side of the river, decides he wants to go for a swim, partly to cool down and partly to refresh himself. After the innumerable and unbearable labours which he'd endured now for a month, he wished to bathe in this water. He drowned by the hidden judgment of God in a lamentable and unexpected wow. accident. That makes it sound so poetic. Exactly. It? it was actually he he, he 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 quite fancied a paddle. Something went wrong when he drowned, <laughs> and thousands of men turned back because he's dead. Right now, whether he's trying to cross or simply having a wash or a swim, the outcome was the same. So he drowned. And his drowning, which meant the expected course of events, a crusader victory over Saladin, that was altered. So there's one final act to follow this sort of historic blunder. Only 5,000 of the 15,000 troops followed Frederick's son all the way to the Levant. And they carried on solely because of their desire to bury the man in Jerusalem. So to preserve his body, they tried to pickle it in vinegar, but the process failed because the stench in the summer heat proved overwhelming. Can you imagine that? So, okay, he's dead. We need to bury him in Jerusalem. Let's pickle him in vinegar after two days. Okay, Frederick stinks. Let's let, change the plan. 
Smells really horrible, everyone. Well, I mean, I'm complaining because I'm the one bloody carrying him. You come and carry him then if you think it's all right. <laughs> I had to transport a body a long distance. I wouldn't say pickling it would be a great idea. No, no, neither would I. Who suggested that and who's agreed to it? Are we imagining in a huge jar like gherkins in a chip shop? Are we imagining it like that? How, how are we imagining it? Wrapped in paper. Exactly. Like he's we a bag talk, of chips. We've talked about many times on this podcast jobs from the past I wouldn't fancy. I think pickling dead emperors would be up there. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> That's got to be up there as a job I'm not, I'm not going for. What do I do? I'm a king pickler. <laughs> I have a quick question for you, El, which is simply... You say that the, the the soldiers just after he drowned just went home. A lot of them. At what point? How early do you think the first? Do you think the body was still floating away into the distance when one of the soldiers turned to the other one? Well, that's that then. Yeah, yeah. Looks at his watch and says, well, "We could be home by the afternoon if we start now." Still just in sight, going around the corner. The river. And do you think there was a large conversation about do we carry on, or do you think like? People just started ones and twos, just walking yeah. off. I'd be well, so looking for any excuse to go home. I'd be, oh, the, I'd God, be yeah. pushing that. I'd go, well, I think we, I, it, we're only right, actually. It's respectful yeah. if we all go home. To I think it's more respectful if we just go home and watch telly. <laughs> go home and watch Spartacus. And have a day off. Should we have a day off? I think that's the respectful thing. Yeah, it's, it's what he would have wanted. So he never made it to Jerusalem, Frederick Barbarossa, not even as a pickle. His body was divided up <laughs> and the parts were instead gifted to churches and cathedrals along the route south. Um, oh, my God. Including in modern Antakya uh, in Turkey oh, no. and uh, Tyre in Lebanon. These days, Barbarossa's name is perhaps better known for a much later historical blunder, namely the German invasion of the Soviet Union in 1941, where a lot of Germans froze to death. Then, of course, it was snow and ice style back the advance, not a river current, but, you know, there were mistakes made all the same. I mean, one medieval chronicler was taking the piss and he suggested that Barbarossa had ridden into the river wearing full armour and he was thrown by a spooked horse. Oh, and then really? obviously the, the, he drowned because his um, uh, his armour was so heavy, but they don't think that's true. That's what I'd want people to lead with. Yeah. Th- I think as I, as I was being swept away by the current, I'd be yelling that back to my troops. Yeah, Tell yeah. them I was on my horse with my heavy armour <laughs> And it was a really big scary horse And I'd done well to ride it this far <laughs> Please do not pickle me and Blame the horse, blame the horse And don't mention the fact that I was smelly until two minutes ago <laughs> How has he not come on to be known as Frederick the Pickle? That's a genuine question <laughs> Well, thank you for listening this week. There is a fourth part to this episode, which is Balls Ups in the Roman Army. If you want to get that, plus episodes in full, ad-free, on a Monday, a week early, and a load of other bonus things, you can sign up and become an Oh What A Time full-timer for four ninety nine per month. You can sign up by going to owhatatime.com. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs> 